Do you have a question about the Bible? Do you ever wonder ways that you can understand God better? Maybe questions about the incarnation, the nativity story during the Christmas season. If so, then you have come to the right place. Hello, friends. Welcome to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, Moody Radio's Bible study across America. I'm going to give you the phone number right now for your calls as we answer your questions about God, the Bible, and the Christian life. Here's the number, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Uh, you, you probably already figured this out, but I am not Dr. Michael Rydelnik. And the guy sitting next to me is also not Dr. Michael Rydelnik. Good morning. Let's hear the voice just to confirm. It is the other Michael today. <laughs> Although we have to say that when Rodelnik isn't here, then he's the other Michael. But I am technically the other Michael. Mike Van Lanningham, that's me. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's so good to be with you again. I'm Dr. Cisco Cotto. I teach in the Pastoral Studies Department at Moody Bible Institute here in Chicago. Dr. Michael Van Lanningham is a part-time professor of Bible here at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. We were with you last Saturday in for Dr. Michael Rydelnik had a blast answering your questions, and we're looking forward to doing that again today. Let me give you the number one more time, 877-548-3675. You can begin dialing that now. You can also go to our website, openlineradio.org. That's openlineradio.org. Go to Ask Michael a Question, and there you can submit a question, and we'll answer some of those coming up a little later on this hour during our mail bag segment. I uh, want to thank uh, all the great folks helping us behind the scenes. Lots of folks in the production team making Open Line possible. Trish McMillan producing technical production. Bob Moreau. Anthony Quintanilla is answering the phones today at 877-548-3675. Uh, now, I know because many of you have called and written in talking about how much you miss Dr. Michael Rydelnik. He is going to be back in the new year. We're looking at January to get him back regularly on the program. Uh, but we're very, very grateful to have him for just a few minutes here on Open Line joining us live. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to be with you guys. I'm feeling a little bit like Wally Pip. <laughs> I'm not sure you, anybody knows who am Wally I, Pip am is. Am I Lou Gehrig here or is Van yeah, Lanningham Lou Gehrig? Uh, you're both <laughs> half of Lou Gehrig. So, you know, Wally Pip was the first baseman for the Yankees. He got injured, and then uh, along comes Lou Gehrig, who played the next 2,134 games straight, and they never Wally Pip was never heard from again. So, uh, you know, I'm just feeling a little bit like Wally Pip. I'm not going to be allowed back, you know. There you go. <laughs> just an asterisk in history. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you feeling? How are you healing up? I'm healing up. I'm feeling good. You know, uh, I, I, this week was a week of, of Christmas parties at Moody, so I thought, oh, I can do this. And I went out and enjoyed some Christmas parties with the faculty and with uh, our student life department and various things like that. And so uh, I, I'm engaging in work when it involves food. That's what I'm, I'm doing. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to being back. Eva's like, uh, don't you want to go back next week? I said, no, really don't. But I will be back in January. And I'm looking forward to that a lot. So, Yeah, Good. a lot of resting up, hopefully. Yeah, you know, but, you know, part of it is not just resting. It's It's walking the dogs and getting out there and building up strength and doing that and that's that's a, a a big part of uh the recuperation a lot of people think that after surgery what you need is to 
you know, lay in bed. But no, the best thing for you is to build up your strength because yeah. it really knocks you out, you know. Do you feel like you are making progress that way, Michael? Getting your strength oh, back a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And my dogs are happier for it too because sure. I walk them. <laughs> you know. So yeah, that's that's great. Uh Eva's you know, she's a tough taskmaster. I I would jump ahead and uh and say, Oh, let me do this, let me do that. She looks at me, she says, No, no, not yet. She she kinda she kind of gives me the, how much I can do. And you know what? She's always right. I will say that because uh, I think either I would want to do more, too, too much or too little. And, and she knows the right amount of what I should be doing as, as I get better. And uh, so, I, 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 you know, do you want to do this? And I look at her and, and she get, either nods or shakes her head. And, and then, then I, I proceed. So. Well, so uh, a lot of folks have been writing and calling and saying, how can we pray for Dr. Rydelnik? And it's not just because they want you back on the radio, but because they, they <laughs> that, that's a big part of it, I think. Uh, how, how can people be praying for you and, and Eva as she helps you recuperate? Well, you know, uh, just I think the, that, that God will just give me strength and, and uh, I'll be back. I'm really looking forward to being back at Moody uh, on a daily basis. You know, I, I have that great privilege of, of being the dean, uh, which, you know, both of you guys, you owe me your jobs. So I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> no, not really. You guys, you, you guys were, were hired at Moody based on your merit, not because of me. But uh, but I love I love working with the faculty and I will be there with them starting the new semester. But I'll be back on the radio uh, January 6th. So just pray, you know, God will keep strengthening me and you know, I think part of it, you, you're going to find this funny. Part of it is not that I, I, I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm talking with you now. Uh, but, you know, the, the, when answering Bible questions, you will know this. There's a whole lot of things that you're doing besides just answering the question. Uh, you're, you're thinking about, okay, how, what's the real question behind the question? And uh, what's the person, how can I minister to more people? Uh, than just the person asking the question, because there's a lot of people out there with the, these issues or these questions. And so there's a lot more going on, and I just think that uh, it's it's better for me to be 100% strong and ready to do that, and that's why I'm waiting. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. So just, you know, if people want to know how to pray, continued recovery and, and greater and greater strength. And you know, and uh, listen, everybody, I really appreciate uh, all the the concern uh, I think uh, Trish uh, told me that people are actually calling the main Moody line to find out if I'm alive. I'm alive. You don't have to call Moody. Uh, everything's okay. And, and God is good, and, and uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Reports of your death are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's pray for you before we let you get back, get back to walking the dog or, or okay, whatever good. you're doing. Okay, good. I'll do that. And listen to you guys while walking. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want you listening to us because you no, know, these secret no. critiques of the answers. I don't know. Yeah, don't I'll, know. I'll be giving you some, uh, t- uh, some ways about how to improve. No, I will not. <laughs> Never do that. We I'll take the tips. Know, I can use it. By the yeah. way, everyone listening, how can I how can I walk the dogs and listen at the same time? Well, it's because I have the Moody Radio app, and everyone should get that. So there you go. This is where uh, we the need little the, the little bell. We need the bell here to play every time we mention the app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's let Mike V pray for you, Michael, and then we'll uh, we'll let you get back to the dog. Thanks, Heavenly Father. Uh, thank you for Michael for his friendship and. Uh, we thank you for the great ministry that you have opened up for him and uh, for his health issues. Lord, we want to pray that you would continue to help him get his strength back, that that he would be 
uh, literally back in the saddle on everything that he is uh, responsible for doing and that he would continue to bear much fruit for you. And so uh, for him and Eva both, I pray you give them patience, wisdom as they're trying to recover for Michael and, uh, and that he doesn't overdo. So, Lord, we just hold them up to you, both of them, and pray for your extra special grace upon them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 And thanks, you guys. Really appreciate you. Thanks for sitting in. Thanks, thanks brother thanks, Michael. Yep. Good yeah. to hear your voice. Looking yeah. forward to hearing you back in January. Uh, that's Dr. Thanks. Michael Rydelnik. I'm Dr. Cisco Cotto. That's Dr. Michael Van Lanningham. And we are taking your questions about God, the Bible, and the spiritual life here on Open Line, 877 548 Six Those lines are filling up. Uh, let's go ahead and take a question from Tony. Tony's calling us from Tennessee. Hey, Tony, good morning. Thanks so much for calling in. You're on open line. Hey, uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Go ahead. Okay, my question is, is uh, throughout my whole life, I was told and understood that when you die, you go to heaven. Uh, but when they talk about the rapture, it said the people will rise uh, to the heavens out of their grave first, and then people on the earth will be raptured. So where do we go when we die? Tony, that's a great question, and, and it's, it can be confusing. So uh, in scriptures, there's a couple things we need to be aware of. If we pass away before the rapture of the church, then our soul, our, our immaterial nature, who we are on the inside, goes into the presence of Jesus. It says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul writes, I'm hard-pressed from both directions, that is, whether to continue in life or to be willing to die and, and have that be the end, um, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. And for that's very much better. And yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And so... When we, when we talk about um, our, when we die, our, our immaterial nature goes to be with the Lord, but our bodies stay here. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that's talking about the resurrection of the body. And so we're not, we're not there um, speaking of something really radically different. We're talking about two different things. And so um, the rapture of the church will involve the resurrection of the bodies of saved believers. But uh, when a believer dies before the rapture, whenever that is in the future, we go into the presence of God in our immaterial state and enjoy him forever. So that's there's sort of a dual thing that happens there. Does that help, Tony? Okay. All right. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate you listening and for calling in. Um, I love uh, Luke 23. Is that? Let me flip here. Yes, Luke 23 with the thief on the cross where you, you know, it's just a beautiful picture of immediately yep. we're with the Lord in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. And, and so yeah. Jesus' immaterial nature and the, the thief's immaterial nature went into the presence of God upon the death of both of them. Yeah, just love that. Uh, let's go to Tom in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tom, good morning. You are on open line with Cisco Cotto and Michael Van Lanningham. What's your question? Good morning. Thanks very much for taking my call. Um, in John three sixteen and and some other verses in the newer versions, they all say either, all the ones I've seen anyway, say, Jesus is God's only son or his one and only son. 
But there are other verses that refer to Christians as sons and daughters of God and heavenly beings as as uh, sons of God. And so I'm wondering why don't translations use the word unique? Because it seems like that would be a lot more accurate and not introduce a contradiction of one verse saying Christians are sons and daughters of God and then another verse saying Jesus is God's only son. And I, I do remember the New American Standard of 1995 in John 3.16 had a footnote saying unique. And the only other place I've ever seen it is the new international version, which was uh, only out briefly. I think they only did the New Testament. I think Gleason Archer was behind it, and a controversy got stirred up about using unique, and, and that was the last I heard of it. So I was just curious, and uh, thank you so much for our filling in today. Y'all are terrific. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, no, thank appreciate you, you listening. It's kind, it's kind of you to say that. So, I mean, what you the question you actually asked was, what motivates people? to translate it as begotten or only begotten and not unique. And I have to say, Tom, I don't know what motivates them to translate it that way. Uh, but some of it's probably tradition. My guess is that the King James Version probably says only begotten or something like that. I don't have that right in front of me. Uh, and so the tradition is to continue to kind of translate it sort of like that. Um, but but you're right. I think monogenes, uh, only begotten, really does is better translated by the word unique or one of a kind. In, um, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, um, it says that Isaac was Abraham's only begotten son. Well, the thing is, Isaac wasn't Abraham's only son, but he was the unique son. He was a one-of-a-kind son. And so I agree with you. I, I, it seems to me that that would be a better way to translate that. But for whatever reason, some of the English versions don't do that, and our past our pastors should be explaining that when they uh, teach through uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16. Another good reason to preach through books of the Bible in churches, right? Because right? then you spend time on some of these issues. Right. Here is our number, 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. Cisco Cotto and Michael Van Lanningham sitting in for Dr. Michael Rydelnik. More of your calls to come here on Open Line. The Book of Romans is often considered Paul's most significant theological work, addressing topics such as sin, salvation, faith, righteousness, and now you can easily grasp Paul's teachings as the Romans Everyday Bible Commentary by Alan Johnson guides you in the meaning and application of Romans in our daily lives. When you give a gift of any size to OpenLine, I'll send you a copy just to say thank you. Call 888-644-7122 or visit OpenLineRadio.org. Welcome back to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik. I'm Cisco Cotto, along with Michael Van Lanningham. Both of us teach, along with Dr. Rydelnik, at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. would love for you to go to this website, moody.edu, moody.edu, and come study with us here at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Many great programs, regardless of what you feel God wants you to do in life, Moody can give you a solid foundation of Bible and 
theology and training so that you can go out and serve the Lord faithfully in whatever capacity. Uh, just love our students here at Moody Bible Institute. Go to that website, moody.edu, for more information. Let's go back to the phones, 877-548-3675. Gaston is listening to us in Florida. Good morning. Thanks so much and calling in. You're on a... Can you hear me okay? Yes, we yep. can. Okay, I have a, a question uh, I don't completely understand, but it is also a test question for you two to see if you're worthy to take Dr. Rydelnik's place. <laughs> I already know we're Forget not. Forget it. Case closed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let me give you the question. Okay, as I understand, there, there were like three Herod the Greats. Uh, one, there was the one that had the order to kill all the babies around Bethlehem. There was one that beheaded John the Baptist. There was another one that built Caesarea. And then there was the one that uh, that received glory to himself and the worms ate him. Which Herod goes to which stories? Okay. Herod the Great is the one in the early chapters of the Gospels, like uh, Matthew chapter 2. Herod the Great is the one who's going to kill the babies in Bethlehem and did do that, trying to kill Jesus. And then we have Herod okay. Philip. Herod Philip uh, was accosted or confronted by John the Baptist about his immoral relationship with his sister-in-law. I think that's how it went. That's uh, Philip uh, Herod. Uh, there is Herod Agrippa. The, there, by the way, by the way, Gaston, there are four Herods mentioned in the New Testament, not three. And so there's Herod. That was a trick question. Yeah, yeah. Herod. Nicely done. Yeah. So you've got you've got Herod the Great. You've got Herod Philip. Uh, Archelaus is also mentioned in the early chapters of um, the Gospels. He's the son of Herod the Great. And uh, when when um, Jesus and his parents returned from Egypt, it was while he was reigning. Then you got Herod Agrippa the first who's the grandson of Herod the Great, and he appears in Acts chapter 12 and does the persecution against the church. Then you have Herod Agrippa II, the great-grandson of um, Herod the Great, and he shows up in Acts 25 during the trial of Paul. So, um, so there. How's that? <laughs> How did I do, Gaston? Wait, I got a question now. Oh, no, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. You only get one question, Gaston. And, and, and one... how did he no, do? I'm, I'm you, you get to answer that. How yeah. did he do? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Dr. Reidelnik will let you know how you did. I okay. Know. <laughs> oh, it's a deal. But I just want to, I want to clarify something. I'm like, to make sure I understand. The grandson is the one that the worms ate him? Oh, uh, yeah. Acts chapter 12, right. Yeah. And her, who her... built Caesarea? Which one built Caesarea? Uh, that was Herod the Great. Which is the first one? Yep. Okay, then the last, the fourth one, what did he do? Herod Agrippa II. Um, the best oh, he met Paul. He met Paul. Yeah, he was the one who, who helped try Paul in okay, Acts, right, in Acts 25. All right, Gaston, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, man, Bye -bye. take it easy. Thank you. You get a passing grade from me. I don't, I don't know what that's good for or not, yeah. but that was pretty good. I, I have a confession to make. You know, I have it written down in my Bible, so I could actually look at some things. Well, but you had it. to have it initially in order to get it in yeah. your Bible. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's. But my Bible is all full of stuff. Can I just say, I was a longtime pastor. I would tell people this all the time during my sermons. 
take that Bible, mark it up, put notes in the margins, highlight it, underline it. Yes, it is God's Word. It is His sacred Word. It is His powerful Word, but it is designed to help guide us in life. And so, like Mike V, uh, I, I know I've seen Dr. Rydelnik's Bible, same thing. Mark that thing up. Put notes in there, things that when you come back to passages will help you to remember those things. Uh, don't feel as though it has to remain in pristine condition. Uh, no, this is a book that helps guide you throughout your life, so feel free to mark it up. Uh, I, I love, Mike, that I have these, uh, these notes in here that years later oh, yeah. I go back and go, oh, I'm so glad I wrote that down in my Bible. I mean, I've written some of these things down precisely because I know I won't be able to remember them. And if I had a mind like a steel trap, I, it would be better, but I don't. So I write it down. Yeah, it's really good. All right, thanks so much. Let's go to Lauren. Lauren is listening in Baltimore. Good morning, Lauren. Thanks. You're on Open Line. Oh, good morning. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. My question was, does it show anywhere in the Bible that there were definitely more than just three wise men? It it doesn't, actually, uh, Lauren. Oh. So it, it does say in Matthew chapter 2, um, verse 1, it just says, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, you know, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? We don't know how many of them there were. Uh, we don't even know exactly what their background is. You know, it says from the east, but but they say uh, they saw the star in the east. Does that mean the star appeared to them and the star was located in the east? Or they were in the east and they saw the star in the west? We don't really know. We don't really know who they're from, what their background is. But but we all love the Christmas carol, We Three Kings of Orient. <laughs> you know, so So aside from the fact that there probably weren't just three, that they weren't Oriental and that they weren't kings. Aside from that, the hymn is perfectly accurate, you know. So, <laughs> so anyway, and the, the hymn, you know, we we don't really know how many kings. Don't, you know, it just doesn't flow yeah. as well. Yeah, <laughs> we we bunch of magi, you know, from from somewhere are bearing gifts. We travel afar, right. yeah, whatever. So. You know, so Lauren, it could have been two. It could have been twenty. Yeah, you know, we we just we we really don't know. Uh, I know over the years, it, uh, maybe because of the three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, sure. and myrrh. That may have been how it developed. Could have been. Uh, you had years later, uh, around the 800s, you had sort of the names of these magi that, that sort of percolated in. You don't know if that's real or not, if that's if that's true or not. Uh, and uh, and yet that stuck. Uh, so, yeah, we, we really don't know how many, but we sure know that they felt they needed to come and honor King Jesus for sure. Yes. Does yes. that help, Lauren? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, this was excellent. Keep up the great work. Uh, we'll thank try. You so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for listening. Right. Uh, let's go to Bye-bye. Don this morning. Don is listening in Indiana on WGNR. Thanks for listening, Don. You're on Open Line. What's your question? Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to listen to you guys. I've listened to Moody for, goodness, over 35 years. You guys do a wonderful work. And my question is uh, Proverbs 20, verse 1, uh, where, the, where it says, uh, Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever's led astray by them is not wise. <clears throat> so I've been asked questions, you know, down through the years. <clears throat> so how did Jesus turn water into something that's a mocker or a brawler? And I said, well, as far as I know, that word wine comes from different Greek and Hebrew words with different meanings. And so I thought, I should call one of the Michaels, or both of them, <laughs> and uh, see what their view on that is. <clears throat> you know, because I looked up both strong drink, uh, drunkenness, trying to 
you know, get a little different perspective on the word. And yet, in looking up the word wine, I found out there were different original words that are translated into English word wine. So I guess I'm just asking kind of a perspective from you, some advice, how to maybe give a little more scholarly answer to these uh, people that ask me about it. Sure. Well, okay, so it's very interesting in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. Notice there that what's being forgiven, for, uh, forbidden is not necessarily the consumption of alcohol as a beverage, but rather intoxication and drunkenness. And, and that's the consistent thing in Scripture, is um, it is consistently forbidden to be intoxicated, but to actually participate is not a sin. And I realize I'm going to probably make some people mad. When Jesus turned the water into wine in John chapter 2, it really was um, wine with alcohol. People say people say it wasn't, but there's a different word for grape juice in in the Greek language, and uh, and it actually uses the word oinos, which means wine, and almost certainly contained alcohol. But just because Jesus created alcohol there, uh, wine out of water, doesn't mean that he is to be blamed for any intoxication that those people reached as as they consumed it. And so uh, I really do think that that we have um, mistakenly sometimes said things about wine in Scripture that really aren't quite accurate. And drunkenness is the key. Don't the key. be controlled by something other than the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Yeah. That's Dr. Michael Van Lanningham. I'm Cisco Cotto sitting in for Dr. Michael Rydelnik. The mailbag is next. Here on Open Line, you can submit those questions at openlineradio.org. That's openlineradio.org. We're so glad that FEBC partners with Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, bringing the FEBC mailbag every week. Learn how Far East Broadcasting Company is taking Christ to the world at febc.org. On their weekly podcast, Until All I've Heard with Ed Cannon, you'll hear stories of lives changed by Messiah all across the globe. Again, you can hear the podcast when you visit febc.org. That's febc.org. Listening to Open Line Moody Radio's Bible Study Across America, ordinarily hosted by Dr. Michael Rydelnik. He is out recovering after some surgery, doing really well. We talked to him earlier in the program. He will be back on the air in January, taking your questions. Today, Dr. Michael Van Lanningham is joining me, Dr. Cisco Cotto. We both love teaching at Moody Bible Institute here in Chicago. You can go to openlineradio.org, openlineradio.org. Click on, ask, uh, click on Ask Michael a Question, and you can submit your question via the website, and then it gets tossed into the mailbag. And each and every week, producer Tricia McMillan, uh, McMillan, I have not had my second cup of coffee yet. <laughs> I need that, I think. Uh, Tricia McMillan gathers these mailbag questions and uh, gives us a few of them. Hi, Trish. How Hello. Are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for being here today. Now, one of the perks of being the producer of Open Line and all of the hard work that Trish and her team does behind the scenes, one of the perks is when you have a Bible question, yeah. you get to slip it in the mailbag 
and somehow it just it sits it's right on the right. top of that mailbag. That first bag. question. Yeah, and and I do not normally do this, but I thought of this one on the way home from work. Now the hold other on, day. You, you don't make up fake names, and it's really your question. You know, Judy in Tuscaloosa, uh, she wrote us, and she has this no, question. No, that's a great idea. No, I honestly, I try and keep mine off of the air because I don't need to take up valuable time. But this one was Christmas related, and I thought, um, I thought of it on the way home driving, listening to Christmas music. Actually, that you know how your mind kind of jumps from one thing to the next to the next. It did that. There was a song that was playing, and I was like, wait. They're singing to God and they're singing to Jesus um, as if it's the same. Wait, what about that verse? So my question is from Isaiah 9, 6, which says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So since we have a God the Father and God the Son, who are separate, distinct persons— um, how is Isaiah 9, 6 points to the Messiah, Jesus. How is eternal father not mixing up those persons? How does, how does Jesus, the son fulfill eternal father? Yeah. The hangup is with the word father. Yeah. It's the father part because I feel like so often we just kind of intermingle them. It's like, I got the father, God, the son, they're kind of the same, but they're not. Right. So, So, and I'm probably taking this way deep, but this one was really baffling me on the way home. Well, but it's important because a lot of people have this question, and so it's it's good. You're, you are not alone, Trish, Yay. in in reading Isaiah. <laughs> Those are the and, questions and I like to bring. Up with that. Yeah, no, it's good. So, um, according to the Moody Bible Commentary, yes, that's a good book. It is, it is a great book, and it was uh, the commentary on Isaiah was co-authored by um, Michael Rydelnik. Oh, I know so, him. Yeah, <laughs> and he actually said that um, the word father. It's oftentimes used in the ancient world and even in a couple of places in the Old Testament for uh, the, a king's relationship to his subjects, um, to one in authority over those who are submissive to him. Um, for, in, um, uh, well, David calls Saul his father um, in one passage, and I, I couldn't find that passage, but I know he does it. And yet Saul was not his dad, you know. Right. Um, and so when, it, when we are talking about um, eternal father, it's literally in the Hebrew, the father of eternity. And so it's the mm. ruler over eternity, the one who has authority over eternity. And I would propose that it's the son of God, and we know this from the New Testament, who actually created time, if we can put it that way. And, and in as much as Jesus was the one through whom God the Father created everything, then that is consistent here and that concept with what we find in the New Testament. And so it's not that, that Jesus equals the Father, you know, the, the, the two are distinct persons within the Trinity, but that Jesus is rather the authority over all of time is the idea of it. Okay. And with the, the rulership, that uh, sort of carries with it the idea of caring for the people, leading the people, uh, you know, that, that, that sure. with which fathers should be doing that as well, yes. know, to, to keep the terminology. Yes, yeah. they should for sure. Okay. All right. Thank you for clearing that up. And I realize I can Can you have sleep my... better tonight, I, Trish? I, I you think? think I can. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, any, any follow-ups? Because the mailbag folks don't normally get any follow-ups. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do clear? ask follow-ups for the mailbag folks sometimes. <laughs> um, but usually they're my follow-ups. But... Um, no, I think that I, 
I think that the hesitation I have is in trying to keep the three persons, so apparently I do have a follow-up, in trying to keep the three persons separate, it's very hard um, to not to not intermix them. Like even, even the, the strongest theologian at times may say, um, dear God, do such and such, um, Lord Jesus, you know, Holy Spirit come like that. They can intermix this in, in a, in a prayer or in a song or, um, that I find it confusing as to who, who is the one are we, are we making them into, um, one, oh, I'm not even saying this well, making them into modalism is the word, but I'm not doing a good job explaining what that is. Right. Um, so maybe one I God in that. three manifestations, one, one God right. who appears in different ways. Right. As opposed to three separate persons. Which is not, that is not true. That is right. not, right. not biblical. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I find it, it just seems to be a very smudged line as to when I hear people jump over that and whether, whether they are jumping over that line. Or whether they are um, not jumping, whether they are, yeah. are are addressing three different people in a prayer or a song, or whether they are, in fact, just kind of picturing them as or, or taking a verse God like and, this one in Isaiah, right? And thinking that that, yeah. So, yeah. so how is he God the Father, God the Son? So, yeah. um, well, hopefully that's a little more clear now. <laughs> I yeah. probably muddied it with that follow up. That's there. all right. <laughs> it's all good. Right. It's good. Right. It's, these are difficult things we need to get into. Yep. Right. What else you got? All right. We'll we'll keep another Christmas questions. Tony in Alabama, according to Matthew two, the wise men were not there the night of Jesus' birth. When do you think they might have come? Or yeah. were they there at Jesus' birth? No. Okay. It, no, it, there's actually a very clear chronological marker here. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, it says that Joseph kept Mary a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And then chapter 2, verse 1 in Matthew, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, and so on. And so, uh, very clearly, it's after Jesus was born that they arrive. We don't know how long after. Could have been a day or two. Could have been a couple of weeks. We don't know how long Mary and Joseph lived in Bethlehem before they had to go to Egypt and then back to Nazareth. We don't know that. But it, but it's very clear that very shortly after the Magi came to Jerusalem and all Jerusalem was shaken up by their appearance and, and them asking the questions about, where's your king been born? And Herod the Great gets involved in And Herod the Great very, very quickly after this sends the soldiers to kill all the male babies in Bethlehem. And so we don't know the chronology on when the Magi arrived, but we have a pretty good idea that Herod's attempt to kill the babies in Bethlehem happened very quickly after the Magi did arrive. Okay. All right. And uh, and you don't know if Herod was just in his rage going, oh, you know, kill kill them all up to age two. You know, we, we don't know why exactly he did that. But to your point, it means it, it wasn't right when Jesus was born. Right. Herod was terribly paranoid. Mm-hmm. He killed um, at least a couple of sons and a wife or two as well because he was afraid that they were going to try to take over his throne. And he was not going to allow that. So better, better safe than sorry. Yes. Yeah, okay. that was really his mindset. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, next question. I think this one would be kind of quick. Kathy in Illinois listens to WMBI. Uh, she listened last week. She actually sent this question in last week and said, you both did a good job last week. Oh, I'm glad oh. she, I'm sure you're doing a good I'm job. I'm glad she today. thinks so. I wonder how Rodelnik <laughs> and God feel about it. But, you know, so. Uh, 
Thank so you, anyway. Kathy. You're yes. you're my favorite listener of the morning. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so she wants to know which Bible should I recommend for my brother to read? He's um he was current he was planning to tour Israel next year, something he's always wanted to do, but through text with him it became obvious he has not read the Bible. So for someone who hasn't read the Bible much, is there a specific version um or Bible that you would recommend? The one that the Apostle Paul read? Is that the, the one that we want to <laughs> yeah. go there? Yeah. Uh, we here in the English-speaking world have what I see as a blessing and a curse. We have so many good translations. Other parts of the world, other la- some languages have no Bible yet, and, and others have one translation of the Bible. And here we have so many different translations, and that's a wonderful gift, and yet it creates challenges. If you go online to a, a, a Christian bookseller or you go into a bookstore and you go to the Bible section, it's just all mm-hmm. of these different translations, and it can really be confusing and discouraging, and, and that's where the challenge of it comes into play. Uh, I would say, Kathy, if your brother has never read the Bible, has never read through long portions of the Bible, uh, my personal recommendation uh, would be a translation like the New Living Translation, um, or perhaps the uh, the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. The one that I use regularly is called the HCSB. It, it was the one that, that was then, um, uh, they made some changes, and now it's the CSB. Uh, both of those are very readable, especially in longer chunks. Uh, really like both of those translations. There are many other great translations, too. ESV is wonderful. NIV, uh, the New American Standard, NASB. Uh, Those are great translations that are translated for different reasons. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, Mike V. Did I I get a bad, did I get one wrong here? Finish your thought. No, that's, I'm, uh, they're they're all good translations, but there are different things, how do I say this, behind the translations, different. Some want to be more accurate to the Greek and the Hebrew and even the Aramaic, and others say, we're trying to get the ideas across here. And so there's just different philosophies in some of the translations. So I use the NASB when I teach, um, and I really like it a lot. Uh, if I were starting over, um, I would probably use the HCSB, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, because it is a wonderful combination of both being extremely readable, but also a, a very literal and accurate translation to the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic texts. And so that's the one, if I were starting over, that's what I would be using. I love it. That's what Radelnik uses too. I use the HCSB in my quiet times. Okay. Just so I'm, I'm looking at something different than the NASB, which is more literal. Yeah. Very good, but, but more literal and a little bit more difficult to read. Yeah, the Bible I have here in front of me that's all marked up is an HCSB. This, yeah. this is the and and I will never change. It's, right. it's, you know, this is my personal reading Bible. It doesn't mean that I never read other translations. Right. It just means this is my personal reading Bible. Um, I know I, well, let me let me say I don't know. I'm 99% sure that Eva Rydelnik is listening at home and saying NASB. NASB. Oh, I think she's Absolutely. probably saying CSB. <laughs> really? Is she? Is well, I know. She, yeah, well, I well, I can't so. she, she was NASB. She's pretty is hard she? on the NASB. Mm-hmm. Well, then she yeah. and Michael are in disagreement about <laughs> they things are. because. Oh, no, no. Just that. that's cool. but There's a division in the marriage. Oh, whichever no. one you have, read that. But <laughs> yeah. if you have yeah. the option to pick one, 
there are several good options that you could choose for your brother. Right. Yeah, there right. really are. And uh, it'd be a great gift, especially at Christmas, and, uh, and and help him read it, you know, I mean, read it along with him. And Buy him the moody commentary to go with it, and he'll be in good shape. <laughs> that was very self-serving. <laughs> very good. See, we need that bell in here yeah. every, time, every yeah. time to ring it. That is, Doctor, thank you, Trish. You're welcome. Always appreciate the mailbag. OpenLineRadio.org is where you submit your questions. Just click on Ask Michael a Question at OpenLineRadio.org. More of your questions coming up live here on Open Line. Michael Van Lanningham and Cisco Cotto sitting in for Dr. Michael Rydelnik. 877-548-3675. Each weekend on Open Line with me, Dr. Michael Radelnik, we study the scriptures around our radio kitchen table. You can become a kitchen table partner through your monthly support of Open Line. Your gifts help me to provide biblical answers to questions that many believers have about the Savior, the scriptures, and the spiritual life. Along with other partners, you're helping people receive guidance from God's Word. Become a kitchen table partner today. Call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. People often wonder, what's Hanukkah all about? So with Hanukkah coming up in December, Chosen People Ministries wants to help open-line listeners by offering a free booklet called The Gospel According to Hanukkah. Chosen People Ministries reaches Jewish people around the world with the good news of Jesus the Messiah. The Gospel According to Hanukkah explains the ancient origins of this holiday, the way it's celebrated today, and how it relates to our own faith in Jesus, the light of the world. For a free copy of The Gospel According to Hanukkah, just go to openlineradio.org. Scroll down, and you'll see a link that says A Free Gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that, and you'll be able to sign up for your very own copy of The Gospel According to Hanukkah. Welcome back to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik. I am Cisco Cotto, along with Michael Van Lanningham, sitting in for Michael today on Moody Radio's Bible Study Across America. Here's how you get your questions into us. Just call 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. Let's go right back to the phones. Karen is listening to us in North Carolina. Good morning, Karen. You are on Open Line. Good morning. This is very exciting, and I just want to share Jesus' joy with everybody that's listening. Um, My question is, um, since Hamas attacking Israel, it's been very sobering on how close Jesus is to returning. And in my heart, the gravity of giving an account has really hit home of every idle word I speak. And I wish that, you know, their leaders would stress that, you know, so we can be mindful and more conscious of what we say, and it's just become a real burden for me, and I just need some uh, help working through this, because I've been a follower of Jesus for 40 years, and I just, this is just a big thing for me. I need some help. Well, Karen, yeah, no, I I appreciate that. It's certainly something that everyone needs to be mindful of. Um, I know there's, at least Romans deals with this, Mike. Yes, Um and and it, it is it's it is really a very sobering thought 
uh, Karen, and I, I appreciate the fact that you feel concerned about this, and it's something that is almost never discussed in good evangelical churches like, like ours. So in Romans chapter 14, verse 10, Paul says, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue will, actually it's probably confess, to God. So then, in verse 12, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. And then also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, similar thought, Paul says uh, in verse 9, Therefore we have also as our ambition, whether at home or absent, that is dead or alive, to be pleasing to him. And here's why we want to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, this is not, uh, this is not necessarily to uh, determine our rewards. This is actually an evaluation. The, the handing out of eternal rewards is separate from this and after this. This is rather actually an evaluation by God of all of us who know Jesus, not to determine our eternal, uh, our eternal destiny, because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. But this is also, nevertheless, we're held accountable by the Lord for the things that we've done as Christians and probably has some bearing upon the nature of the rewards that we get forever and ever. Now, people say, well, if it doesn't determine my eternity, then who cares? It's no big deal. I just remember when I was a kid once, and I, I well, once, this happened a bunch of times, I almost got caught, got caught for doing some really terrible things by my parents, and, and I was really fearful well, why was I fearful? They weren't going to throw me out of the house. They weren't going to write me out of the will. They weren't going to make me change my last name because they were ashamed of me. They weren't going to do anything of that. And yet I was very nervous about being caught. Well, someday we're going to stand before God and give an account of our lives, and we think that that's no big deal. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you it really should motivate us to holy living. So I think that's, those are some of the ins and outs involved with what's called the Bema Seat judgment of God. If all you're concerned with is, am I getting to heaven? You right. know, if, if that's it, then I could see you just sort of pushing this away and saying, ah, whatever, I, I, I don't care. Uh, but if you're truly concerned with living a life that is pleasing to God in his power, in his strength, empowered by the Holy Spirit, absolutely, uh, then this is something you should be concerned about. And uh, Mike, I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people push it off for that reason. Oh, does it affect my eternity? Is, is for, am, am I in heaven or not? No? Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Then I'll just keep moving along. Well, then why was I upset that my parents might find out about something terrible I did? Were they going to make me change my name or were they going to write me out of my will? No. And yet I was completely freaked out that I had, you know, if, was going to be caught for having done something bad. Well, we're going to give an account of ourselves to God. That's not a little thing. Yeah, everything. God knows, and we're going to have to give an account. That makes me quake, for sure. And yet I am resting in God's love and grace, and you should too. Thank you so much for joining us on Hour One. It always goes so fast. Hour One of Open Line. Uh, second hour is coming up on most of these stations. You can listen to it on the Moody Radio app or openlineradio.org. Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, Cisco Cotto, and Michael Van Lanningham sitting in for him this week. Open Line, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Moody Bible Institute.